scriptures this morning. <clears throat> My name is Jared Manning. I'm one of the pastors here and have the privilege of leading the worship team and getting to preach uh, about once a month. And so uh, we are entering a new year. Uh, something I do want to recognize that we um, usually try to recognize every year um, is that today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And uh, we are praying for those um, people who have had abortions and um, are seeking forgiveness in Christ for that. We pray that all would repent and trust in Christ to cover their sin, no matter how horrific it might be. Um, the blood of Christ is sufficient for that. We also pray for those this morning who are uh, working in Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics around the nation, that God would turn their hearts away from um, murder of unborn children, and that, um, and that they would choose life and, and choose to protect life. Um, we pray for our government that uh, this would not be lawful um, much longer, that we can uh, put an end to legalized abortion in the United States. And so I just wanted to mention that to you. Thousands of churches around the world today are celebrating Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and uh, we here at Grace believe that those babies deserve to live. They, they are created in the image of God. And um, so at this time, would you bow with me as we just pray for that specific issue? Father, we come before you this morning having seen some horrific events transpire over the last year with Planned Parenthood videos. God, the things that we knew were going on, but we set quietly by and allowed to continue were thrown in our face with these videos. And God, it awakened the nation to um, the horrific consequences of this grave evil that is happening in our nation. And God, I pray that we as believers in Jesus would be more active um, to put an end to abortion in the United States and globally, God, that we would care for human life at every stage because it reflects you and your glory. God, we pray for the leaders of our nation, for our legislators and our um, justices in the courts. God, that, um, that you would turn their hearts toward life, that they would seek to protect lives of unborn children. God, we pray for those women who have had abortions, for boyfriends and husbands and parents who have encouraged and even paid for abortions. God, we pray that they would find forgiveness and reconciliation in the cross of Jesus. Father, that you would take away their guilt by knowing their sin was nailed to the cross. God, and that they would be outspoken for life. Yeah, we thank you for our Pregnancy Help Center here in Lake Jackson, for the work that they do to save babies, to help young mothers who don't know what they're going to do. Father God, I pray that you continue to pour out blessings on them as they do their work here in Brazoria County, that they would be a light in darkness, that people would come to know Jesus through that ministry. And Father, we pray for ourselves, that we would not forget 
what goes on in abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood um, offices around this nation, but that we would consistently cry out to you to save those children. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I always like to start with a light, funny something. Um, No, I think it's important that we talk about that issue and important that we pray as a body um, for that issue. If if you don't know, um, January 29th uh, is our Pregnancy Help Center banquet. Um, I believe it's sold out. Is it not, David? Yeah, it is sold out. But if there's anything that you would like to do to help the Pregnancy Help Center, um, there are many ways that you can help. Just look up pregnancyhelpcenter.org. Um, and uh, on that website, you have the opportunity to give. Um, I know they're looking for uh, items and donations for their auction, the silent auction that goes on before that. Um, so if you're interested in that, talk to myself or David or Felisa Stanley. We'd be happy um, to, to help get you connected with the Pregnancy Help Center, volunteering, giving, um, whatever it is. Uh, we, we love that ministry and, um, and what they do for uh, our area and for women who are facing tough decisions. Okay, David does have some tickets. If anybody is interested in going to the banquet January 29th, speak to David. And those are free. Yeah. He's not going to charge you for them. Um, Me, on the other hand, no, I'm just kidding. Um, There's a service fee for that announcement. Um, If you would turn in your Bible with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be today. Um, We'll begin in verse 18. This last year, um, over 7 million songs were downloaded um, every day. From iTunes. Every day, 7 million songs. And that was just on one service on iTunes. In 2014, globally, people spent $6.2 billion on concert tickets. $6.2 billion. In America alone, 38.9 million people attended concerts. We have a fascination with music. We have a love for music. It's shown in these numbers. We like to attend concerts. We like to sing along with our favorite artists. We buy tickets to go to concerts. We buy albums. We download music to the point that now services like iTunes and Spotify are charging monthly subscriptions to just listen to whatever you want because people are downloading so much music. It makes more sense economically for a lot of people just to pay for a subscription and listen to every artist that they choose. We have our phones, our smartphones, and we can listen to music any time of day. And so we have to ask the question, what is this fascination with music? Why music? Why do we spend so much money? Why do we spend so much of our day listening to music? What does it do for us? Why do we sing? Well, I I grew up in church. Um, My dad was a deacon and my mom uh, helped in children's ministry. She served in the Awana Club at our church on Wednesday nights. If you're not sure what that is, that odd word, um, you can talk to me afterwards. Um, There was a secret handshake. Um, No, there was not. Um, 
But we were at church every time the doors were open. And often, we left the building with the pastor as he locked up the church building. We sang when we got to Sunday school. We sang when we entered big church. If you grew up in church, you've heard that term, right? When, when you finally got out of children's church and you got to go into the service with the adults, you went to big church. We sang in big church. We sang on Sunday afternoons in our children's choir practice. We sang in adult choir practice. We sang at funerals. We sang at weddings. When I entered the student ministry, we went to Christian concerts and we sang some more. As I look back on my childhood in the church, most of my memories involve singing and music. And maybe that's the same for you. And have you ever wondered why that is? Have you ever stopped to think, why do we sing? Why is music so important to the Christian experience? Why is it that singing is such a huge part of a Christian worship service? Christians are singing people. There's no other religion in the world that sings like the Christian religion. Christians sing. It's what we do. But have you ever stopped to ask the question, why? Why is it that we as Christians, sing. Why do we sing at church? What, what would be your answer? Why do we sing at church? Some people have said, well, it's to exalt Jesus. It's to lift up Jesus. That's great. It's a good answer. We sing at church to exalt Jesus. Some would say, it's just to fill time before the sermon. Some people actually believe that. Pastor gets in, he's, he needs a little time to prep, and so pastor can sit and like think through a sermon while we're singing, and we're just kind of filling space before that. Some would say it's for our entertainment, right? We enjoy listening to the band, and we, we listen to our favorite bands on iTunes all week, and we go to concerts, and so the, the church thing is just another way of, of enjoying music. Some would say it is to prepare for the sermon and maybe to respond to the sermon. Some churches operate like that. They have music that is specifically geared toward what's about to be preached from the word. And so they're preparing for the sermon in music or they respond to the sermon with music. I'm not saying that it, it's not partly that, but I say that answer is insufficient. That is not the primary reason we sing. So what really is the reason that we sing? Look with me, Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Throughout history... After the fall, God has been moving closer to us. In the Old Testament, he dwelled above us. In the New Testament, he came and dwelt among us. 
and then he left his Holy Spirit, and now in the church age, he has made his home in us. God has been moving closer to us throughout human history. And Paul writes here in Ephesians 5, 18, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this have to do with what comes next? The singing aspect of the Christian life. Don't get drunk with wine. Now, a lot of people use this text to talk about the Christian's view on alcohol right? We're not supposed to get drunk. That, that is true. This is a command, 518, don't be drunk. It is a command. But that is not the primary focus of this passage. He's using this as an example of what he would rather us do. In Ephesus at the time, there was a pagan religion that said if they got drunk, they could be filled with the power of their God. That they would understand the power of their God and they could know it better. If they were drunk, they were not in control, but the God that they served was controlling them. And so they would get drunk as a religious experience to be filled with the power that this deity that they served offered. And so Paul says, rather than do what the pagans are doing and getting drunk so that they can know God's power, he says, you be filled with the Holy Spirit and here's how you are going to do it. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Rather than be drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit. By singing. Why we sing? It is a number one result of being filled with the Spirit. Be filled, sing. Address one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with the Lord to your in your heart. Be filled. It is a result of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now when we talk about filling, we have to talk about it in the context of this passage. Many people have different ideas on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Many people will associate spiritual gifts, tongues, and prophecy, and all these outward signs that one is filled with the Holy Spirit. We at Grace believe at the moment of regeneration, when you have been saved by Christ, you are filled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit. There's not this ongoing thing that you've got to do to keep the Holy Spirit, or to be filled again. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. Just like he just said uh, in 518, don't get drunk with wine. Don't let alcohol control you. He's saying, but let the Holy Spirit control you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will sing this is why we sing. But also, I don't think it stops there. I don't think it's just a result of being filled, but I think it is part of the filling process. Because the, the sentence doesn't end and say, and then you will address one another in Psalms. It says addressing an ongoing action. It aids in our being filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We sing so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
If you are not singing, you are neglecting a spiritual discipline that will bring about sanctification and a filling and a control of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can attest to many times when I entered into a worship service with a terrible attitude. I was upset at someone. I was upset about something. I didn't want to be there. Really didn't feel like singing at all. But as I entered, the music started. I began to hear the words being sung by brothers and sisters in Christ. And I began to sing. And my attitude began to change. I began to be reminded of what Christ had done on the cross. I began to be reminded of all that I have to be thankful for in Christ. And I began to sing And I began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that his fruit started becoming evident in my attitude in that moment. It began to change me. I'm sure many of you can attest to the same experiences. Singing to the Lord has a way of filling us with his Holy Spirit. And if we are neglecting that time of singing, we are neglecting a very important spiritual discipline. Thirdly, we sing because it is commanded of us. It is commanded to us that we sing. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It is a command. So we sing because we are to be obedient to Christ. And it is commanded of us that we sing. What are we to sing though? And this becomes a real issue. So I've been leading worship here now for three years. Leading this time of music. Um, It's always a debate in my mind as to what to call this time when we're playing music and singing music because people often refer to it as the worship, right? We've got the worship and then we've got the sermon and we've got some more worship and then we go home. The problem is that worship is all of life. Everything that we do is worship to God if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. And so calling this worship is really placing a title on it that is, that's just part of of our worship is music. And so I've been leading the songs or leading music here for the last three years and I have yet to talk on this subject. And so um, as I began to to look at what I, I wanted to preach on this Sunday, I was like, you know what? It's been three years now. Um, maybe it's time that I actually talk about what I do on every Sunday morning on stage. So maybe, maybe we should talk about how we are to sing, what are we to sing, why are we to sing, all of those things and how important that is for the Christian life. So so what we sing. How do I pick songs on a Sunday morning? How does anybody pick songs? How should we pick our music that we sing to God? Well, number one, it's in this passage here, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, there have been a lot of debates over what these three categories or terms mean. Some people say, oh, he's just saying the same thing three times. 
He's just using different words for them. But a lot of people don't believe that that's the case. I don't believe that's the case. I believe that these are three separate categories that, that Paul is saying we should use in the church as we sing. Number one, he says, Psalms. So what does that mean? We open up to the Psalms and we sing out of the Bible these Psalms. A lot of people believe that that is the case. We should sing from a Psalter. So it's called John Calvin held to that view. They had a Psalter, and that's all they sang was the Psalms put to music um, verbatim. And uh, you can still find Psalters. I have a Psalter at home. It's huge, um, full of tunes and Psalms, individual Psalms to sing to those tunes. Some believe that this is just speaking to Scripture in general. We should sing the Scriptures. It may not necessarily be one independent verse that we walk through and sing verbatim, but we're singing the Scriptures in general. Um, I, I do think that we should be singing the Psalms in particular. I think that's what Paul is pointing to here, um, is that we are singing Psalms. And often on Sunday morning, um, you may not hear a Psalm, and that is a failure on my part for us to be singing a psalm. Um, but Paul does it, also doesn't prescribe how frequently we should be singing those. So um, all of our songs use text from the psalm at some point. It's very hard to write a Christian song or a worship song without using um, verses from the psalm uh, and the song book that we have in our Bible. And so it it becomes a preference issue on that, like how you want to exactly do that um, in our contemporary evangelical um, context, uh, singing a psalm to a uh, Gregorian chant uh, a tune would be awkward and nobody would know what to do with that. And so we don't do that, um, but we are to be singing the scriptures to one another. So we sing psalms, we sing hymns. Hymns would be songs that are written for the church on theological topics. Um, many people sang hymns growing up. If you grew up in the United States, you probably sang a lot of hymns growing up at some point in your church experience. Um, not everything that is in the hymnal in your church was an actual hymn. Um, they, they were praise songs that had worked their way into the hymnal by the 60s, 70s. Um, and so not everything was a hymn just because it was in that book. Um, but a hymn would be focusing on theological topics, expounding on that theological topic, and, and setting it forth. Um, it is well is a hymn. Um, How Great Thou Art, that we're going to sing later, is a hymn focuses on God, His majesty. It talks about all that He's made, all that He's done in Christ, what He will do when He returns. It teaches something to us. And lastly, we sing spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. Many believe that the spiritual songs are actually songs that are written by people um, about an experience in their life where, where God has intervened and what He has done in their lives. So these would be devotional type worship songs. Um, a lot of people think they should only be used individually, devotionally, not in the church context. Um, that they should be sung by us uh, at home, in the car, on the radio. Everything that you would hear on KSBJ, well, not everything. I take that back. <laughs> um, most things that you would hear on the radio on KSBJ would consider spiritual songs. They're devotional, kind of talking about everyday life and how God influences life. Um, and so uh, 
but not everything on KSBJ is spiritual. Um, let's just throw that out there. Um, so that, that's what we sing. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so if you're sitting in a worship service here at Grace, you are mostly going to hear um, psalms and hymns and maybe one spiritual song or two. But most of what we sing is hymn-like in nature. It has a theological point that it's expounding upon. Um, and, and then there will be a lot of songs that are founded on a passage of scripture um, that we're walking through in that song. Um, and, and a song like Take Over that we just sang would be considered more of a spiritual song. That's something we're praying to God, that he would take over our lives, that he would display himself through us. Um, and so that's a spiritual song. That's what we sing. Um, and, and there's a lot of other things that we use um, parameters that I personally would put on songs that we sing here at Grace Bible Church. Um, I, I don't like things that are, um, and I don't think we should sing things that are obscure in, in how they talk about God or Jesus. Um, it's not helpful to our hearts. Um, it's not helpful to unbelievers in the room when we're singing things that don't make sense or that are too artsy where people don't, can't make a connection to the gospel, what, what's going on. We need to be clear in our communication of the gospel, in our preaching. We need to be clear in the communication of our gospel in our songs. Um, our songs preach. They teach something to everyone that is in this room on a Sunday morning. And so um, you're not going to hear songs with flowery language to the point that you can't understand what the song is saying. Um, we, we just will steer clear of that um, here. Uh, and so, so that's what we sing. We sing psalms, we sing hymns, we sing spiritual songs. But most, well, I won't, I won't say most importantly, very importantly though, is how we sing. And th this is the last point this morning, is how we are to sing. And I think this text speaks to how we should sing um, in, in a deep way. Verse 19, he begins, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There was a shift in the, the musical culture or the worship culture in the United States um, probably beginning in the 70s um, where this uprising of worship art and worship artists came out of Nashville and kind of the Christian music industry began to shift away from things like the Gaithers and Sandy Patty and she was big in the 80s um, that, that stuff was still big but this rising culture began to happen of worship artists and people who were writing music that was actually to be sung by the congregation it wasn't meant for individual performance, but for everyone to sing. I remember the first time I experienced a concert in probably early 2000, late 90s. Um, I went to see Casting Crowns. Um, some of you will remember who that band is. They're still around, but kind of obscure now. Um, Casting Crowns uh, and Chris Tomlin at the Toyota Center in Houston. And it was the first concert I had been to where the words were on the screen to sing along. And I was like, this is great. I don't have to know the song. 
They've got the words up there. I can sing along to everything. And I realized as the night went on, all these songs are addressed to God. All of these songs are, are worship songs that could be sung on like a Sunday morning in church. And that became a big thing. Then you had the phenomenon that has become Hillsong and Hillsong United. Um, and their tours and multi-platinum selling albums. And the Passion Conference started in 1996. Um, and last weekend... Passion happened. If you've never heard of the Passion Conference, it's for people ages 18 to 25. There's teaching and singing. And that's what they do the whole weekend for these college students. This past weekend, 40,000 college students around the nation gathered in three different arenas in three big cities um, to worship together. And there was lights and there was smoke and there were bands um, and, and they were there to worship. But that's how big this worship culture has become. And if you want to make it in Christian music today, you have to be a worship artist, not a, a contemporary artist like we saw in the 80s and 90s with people like Stephen Curtis Chapman um, and others. Uh, you have to go with this worship movement. Um, but the question is, how are we to sing? Should it take place in a giant arena with lights and smoke and big bands? And um, should it be just in our car with an album that we listen to? Um, album, that's an old school word, right? Um, a playlist, thank you. Um, should, should it be just in, like, does that substitute for the singing on Sunday morning? Is that okay? And I would argue that it's not, according to Ephesians 5, 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This worship movement created a culture in which we sang songs to God, directly to God. And a lot of people liked that. I loved that in high school because I'd been singing songs like, I'll fly away, and, um, and when we all get to heaven, and when the role is called up yonder, all of my life. And so I, I went to this concert, and I'm like, these songs are all directed to God. This is what I've been looking for, a song to sing to God. And so we shifted away from songs that were talking about us and our circumstances and, and life and light of God and sang songs that were just to God. But I would argue that we went too far with that because Ephesians 5.19 says we are to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We sing to each other. So we should sing songs that encourage each other in the faith. We are not only primarily singing to God. We are singing to each other. You cannot sing to each other in your car. You can't sing to each other watching a service on television. We can only sing to each other when we gather together as the body of Christ on a Sunday morning and stand next to our brothers and sisters and sing to one another. That places a huge importance on what we do on Sunday morning. If you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit... You're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You need to be in the presence of saints as they sing to one another. 
as we address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so not all of our songs will focus on just singing to the Lord, but they will focus also on singing to and encouraging one another. We sing to each other. That means every person in the room opening their mouth and singing to each other. Music leader soapbox. Men, if you do not sing, your family will not sing. I stand up here every Sunday. I stood on the stage at my church of a couple of thousand in Louisville every Sunday. And I looked out. And for every man that was not singing, his whole family down the row had their mouths closed and they were not singing. Because singing is not manly. It's not masculine enough. And I will give you this. There have been songs written over the last 20 years that definitely were not masculine enough <laughs> for Sunday morning worship. And I don't expect men to sing those songs. And that's why we will not sing Jesus is my boyfriend songs here at Grace Bible Church. Okay? <laughs> Because that's uncomfortable, all right? Jesus didn't ask us to sing those kind of songs. Um, no sloppy wet kiss in our lyrics here. Um, so if you don't know that song, praise God, move on. Um, but, but we sing to each other. So men, sing. It's part of your spiritual discipline. It's part of you being filled with the Spirit. I was so blessed uh, last week um, to hear the story of Dave Rich. As Brian shared and Mary had shared with him that Dave wasn't much of a singer earlier in his life. But as the Spirit began to change him, as God began to open his heart to the gospel, he became a singing man. Because when the Holy Spirit's at work in you, you are a singer. We can't help but to sing. So sing to each other and to the Lord. He goes on, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We do sing to the Lord. If all of our songs are to each other, then we've neglected a part of this singing experience. We are to also sing to the Lord, to thank Him for what He's done, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come together to sing to one another and to God to thank Him for all that He's done. If you look back throughout the history of the church and throughout the history of the nation of Israel, we who follow Yahweh have always been a singing people. In the Old Testament, Israel sang when they went into battle. They sang when they won a victory in battle. They sang when they mourned. They sang when they rejoiced. Because the people of God are a singing people. And we sing to our God with thankfulness for all that He has done in Christ. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing with thankfulness. We also sing with humility. We sing with humility. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As we sing to one another, we submit to one another. We serve one another with song, with humility. And over the last few years, there's, there's been a trend of churches because they don't know how to deal with these worship wars that are going on within the church. You may have heard that term used, but essentially it's, it's the divide over, I want my traditional music with a pipe organ and a hymnal, and I want my gospel music with a piano and an organ only, and we kids, we want our drums and, and everything, electric guitars, acoustic guitars, um, the whole deal, and, and it's created these divisions within the church and because of a lack of understanding I think of what the scripture calls us to in worship um, many churches decided you know what we're going to solve this we're going to have two different services a service that's traditional for the old people and a service that's contemporary for the young people and so they divided their congregation based on a preference rather than serve one another with humility through the singing, we gave in to people's preferences and let pride continue to spring up in our worship services. I go to the contemporary service. It's better than the traditional service. They just got a piano and an organ. It's pretty, pretty bad. Right? Well, I go to the traditional service because I appreciate the things of old, the things that have stood the test of time, like the organ... Um, <laughs> there may have been some reformers throwing organs out of churches just FYI um, so they actually did <laughs> um, and, and so, so it, it's this we've given in to people's preferences rather than asking people to grow up and mature and see our role of singing is a way of serving and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ whether they're 80 years old or 13 we serve one another through singing and so here we will not split our services based on people's musical preferences we will try to love everyone and sing a broad scope of music here at Grace Bible Church because we believe that all music that is written to the glory of God is worthy of being sung in the church and so we we lay our own preferences down for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we serve them with humility even in what we sing and how we sing it. This is how we sing. Why we sing result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It also aids in us being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a command. We sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And how we sing is we sing to each other, to the Lord, with thankfulness and with humility. I hope that it hasn't been too disjointed this morning that you understand kind of the heart behind what we do here on a Sunday morning. And the important role that you play in that. Brothers and sisters, if you're not here on a Sunday morning, you are neglecting a very serious part of your spiritual growth. Because you can't get the congregational singing of the church in your car during the week. And I personally love standing up here and seeing the faces 
of everyone in this sanctuary singing to God and singing to one another. That's why we will also never dim the lights. Because I want to see your face. You need to see one another's faces. Because we're singing to each other. Be here. Be a part of that. And let us sing to the Lord with thankfulness and with humility so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit to go do his work in a world that's lost and dying. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you've given us songs to sing. God, we can express our love to you through music. We can express our love to one another, that we can challenge one another. We can exhort one another in the faith. We can exalt Christ and lift up his name. And we can proclaim your majesties through song. God, help us to be a singing people. On Sunday morning and every day of the week, let us make melody in our hearts to you. Thanking you for all that you've done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.